Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. What's amazing is the promise of this story is it holds out that inside the flames of Babylon, wherever you are right now, you are being refined into the gold image of Jesus right beside you. And you're being made into his image so that you can step out of the fire, you know, like be in Babylon as his image as his bearer, like so people can look to you and see that the kingdom of God actually has claim over this territory and not whatever you know nationality lays claim to the land. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are continuing in Daniel with chapter three today. Seth, how are you? I'm ready to talk about Daniel three. I hope I hope so. The fiery furnace. Yeah, one fiery of furnace. The most famous passages yeah. of scripture, maybe. I mean, they made a Veggie Tales. They made a Veggie Tales out, of, made it. A out <laughs> of it. It's in every kid's Bible. Yep. Uh, if you grew it's up, a gruesome story to put in a kid's it Bible. It really is, and then we burned them alive. Yeah, like, and people died. Let's put let's put that in the kids' Ooh, Bible. That has kids' Bible written all over it. It's <laughs> so funny. So it's yeah, not, that one's not in the Jesus Storybook Bible, though, is it? I don't. Oh, I think it's just Daniel and the Lions Den. From it is, yeah, Daniel and the Lions Den. There that is the more famous one than the Fiery Furnace. That's I mean, true. They're, yeah, they're, and we'll get there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, it's classic. It's a classic. Yeah. So, so we're talk about that. Yeah, Yeah, what's funny about the beginning of this story is that we just ended with a story about a giant statue being smashed. Right. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream where there's this giant statue that he is the gold head of, and then this uncut stone comes and strikes the foot, and it falls down to the ground. And it's like this warning against Nebuchadnezzar to be like, don't be the big statue. Yeah, and then the very next thing, he builds the statue. Yeah, (laughs) what's going so when I there? first heard that, uh, and because you know at the very end of Daniel, t- Daniel two, he like bows down to Daniel and says, yes. "Your God is Lord of Lords and King of Kings." You're like, oh man, God really got. And then he builds his own statue, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, maybe he's just really stupid. Yeah, like he's got maybe the, he's got the he's got the memory of a goldfish. Yeah, like so yeah. maybe he's just or he's just like playing the pluralist. He's yeah. like, I can pay honor homage to your God. Your God is great. That's right, but I'm still going to build the statue to my own pride. Mm. And I kind of took it just kind of as like he's just being kind of ignorant. He just admitted the God of Daniel spoke to him, but doesn't really take his advice and build it anyway. Right. So that's the first way I took it. Yeah. Which is I think fair. Yeah, it's at least like obviously ironic it's so obviously ironic yeah but 
I think maybe more true of Nebuchadnezzar mm. and makes sense of like the rage and fury that we mm. see throughout uh, Daniel chapter three. That, right. That, that, those are the words used to describe him. Rage. Yeah, he keeps fury. He, I mean, burning. He, he he's this. Yeah, he is the furnace. He is this furnace. Yeah. And like, the idea of the nations as a furnace is like throughout the prophets or like uh-huh. in Psalm two, the nations rage at uh-huh. God. Like there's this. Like, anyway. Yeah. What makes a little bit more sense of that uh, when Nebuchadnezzar hears the interpretation of his own dream, mm. that there is a cosmic mountain coming to smash his kingdom he just straight up disagrees he says mm. no 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 no. there is no other kingdom besides my own right i am the ultimate sovereign of the universe right and so what does he do he builds a statue the tallest ever built right a statue that bridges the gap between the earth below and the heavens beneath <laughs> he builds a new tower a babel right but you, it's in his own image and it's all gold and it's all gold he is the final word on who rules the world he is the bridge between heaven and earth yes he makes oh, this ultimate stand. Like, no, there is no coming kingdom. There's no unmade. There's no divine kingdom coming. Mm-hmm. I'm the I ultimate. am the divine kingdom. I am the divine kingdom. It's also interesting that he makes the whole thing out of gold, whereas in the dream, the head was just gold, and yep. then there was this like brittle material down at the bottom that the stone struck. I wonder if he's thinking like, oh, the problem is my kingdom has an Achilles heel. I can fix that. I'll make right. the whole thing gold, and then the stone will plink right off. Right. <laughs> my, maybe he is. He's... <laughs> We don't know, but anyway, yes. He's either being obstinate, ignorant, or stupid. Like, something is happening. And at the very least, he's extremely proud. Oh, I mean, yes. And that's going to, we're going to come full circle on that in the next chapter. And I think this probably plays into the ultimate point of what's on the line in Daniel chapter three Mm. is who is the ultimate sovereign? Right. I mean, that's, and that has been the question. That is, is like Nebuchadnezzar claiming to be a god in a sense here, mm-hmm. comes and deposes Yahweh's house, the temple mm-hmm. of God in Jerusalem. Yep. And So who's in control? Who's in control? And then throughout this narrative, we're going to get like hints that Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's is the ultimate sovereign. Mm-hmm. You have him calling all of the satraps, prefects, governors, counselors, treasurers, justice, magistrates, officials of the provinces. I almost started beatboxing. I know, and he repeats that multiple times Uh throughout the letter. And then he calls all the musicians. He says all of the horns, pipes, lyres, trigons, harps, (laughs) and every kind of music. And beatboxers? And beatboxers, (laughs) and the vocalists, and the acapella singers from wherever. The point, though, yeah. is that King Nebuchadnezzar is rallying every force he can mm-hmm. to celebrate his own sovereignty. Yeah. Every official, every politician, every government bureaucrat, mm-hmm. come worship me. And all these different musical instruments, yeah. they're representative of different nations that Babylon has conquered. Uh, and right. they're even described using, like, um, what's the word we're transliteration like when you just take a word from one language to another oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah, they're just all from different languages these words aren't aramaic oh so the the the, the flygon from over the trigon from over here the harp the bagpipe these are all like other language languages using their their uh ritual or their uh national Uh instrument to praise the one true sovereign, King Nebuchadnezzar. And they're, they're all being amalgamated yes. into this worship of, of right. Nebuchadnezzar. The okay. one music is supposed to call all people I see. to worship the one 
master between right. heaven and earth, Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. So, I mean, if that's what's on the line... That's what's on the line. Then, I mean, it's it's really important then at this moment to name something really clear that's happening here, that there's a biblical theme being fulfilled in a really bad way. And that is um, all throughout the, the prophets and like all throughout the, the imaginative scope of the Old Testament up to this point, there is supposed to be this day when the mountain is raised up and like God comes to his people and what's going to happen? The nations are going to stream from every tribe and every language and every nation. They're going to come and they're going to bow before God and all nations of the earth will be blessed as they come to this place and worship the one true God. And that's supposed to be God coming to his people and yeah. all nations streaming there. And Nebuchadnezzar is fulfilling that. Right. But in himself. And what's interesting, we talked about how Babylon mm-hmm. is just a new iteration of the Tower of Babel. Right. And what's interesting about the power of Babylon is that, that it overcomes the curse of Babel. Mm-hmm. The Tower of Babel try to unify worship in this giant tower that spanned heaven and earth to consolidate worship of themselves. And then what did God do? He dispersed the languages. Yeah. But now we have a kingdom that's so powerful, it can overcome the curse of Babel and gather in all the languages and mus- musicians of the world to celebrate a new potential sovereign, Nebuchadnezzar. It's, re- it's really interesting. Okay. And... <laughs> As you keep saying, like, isn't this supposed to be God's kingdom? Right, yeah. Isn't, this, isn't God's kingdom supposed to be this universal? Isn't God the true sovereign here? Right. Isn't this the kingdom God promised to build on behalf of Israel? But now it's happening while Israel's enslaved to Babylon? Yeah. I just can't help but think about, like, this. Okay, you've got... And it's also like, an, you know, I don't want to get too deep into this, but it's like it's also kind of an inverse of the Garden of Eden where you have yeah. uh, God making us in his image... And mm-hmm. now you have the new God making an image. Right. right. Um, anyway. Well, no, think about yeah. what an image was supposed to do. Mm. An image in the ancient world was marked the boundaries of territories. Mm-hmm. If you were a king and you conquered a nation, you placed an image of yourself there on the edge of a contested border. No, this land belongs to... Whosoever statue that is. Whoever statue <laughs> that is. So when God creates the world... And makes us in his image mm-hmm. and tells us to go throughout all the world. He's What's saying, happening? This world is mine. This whole world is mine. And as far as you go, humans, right. you Proclaim. represent my rule. Yeah. And so Nebuchadnezzar is trying to make the final image. That's right. He's trying to conquest the world, finish the work of the Garden of Eden, but make his image set up instead of the image of God. Yes. Yes. He's creating this anti-Eden in right. himself. And so I'm just thinking about like, okay, you, you've talked about all these categories of like this giant gold image made in the image of fallen humanity or of Babylon. You're talking about overcoming the curse of the dispersed nations and all the languages. Uh, and it's like, oh, we have one kingdom rule now. We can we, we can do everything without God now. Mm-hmm. Like, we are right. God. We don't right. need God. We can overcome that's God's the, curse. That's the claim of Babylon. Right. And so I'm just like, man, just pull back for a second. It just sounds like secular humanism. Oh. Where it's just like, the pinnacle of everything is the perfection of the human race. Yeah. Even if it's supplemented with technology. Well, that's precisely the point. Right. right. I'm Babel just saying, like, was, they're using technology. Yeah. Babel was built on technology. Yes. yes. We haven't progressed beyond no. Babel But I'm just thinking of like Google Translate. Yeah. Right? Right. It's like, oh, we've overcome the curse of Babel. Google Translate. Did you ever watch Star Trek growing up? Oh, yeah. I watched the next generation all the time. Yeah. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, the best... 
of the the captains. Careful, we don't want to lose. We don't want to lose the Kirk fans, but <laughs> the Universal Translator. Uh-huh. They could speak to any language in the galaxy, right. and there was even one episode where they couldn't like speak to this language, and the whole thing was overcoming that barrier. Like the yeah. humanity had progressed beyond poverty, progressed beyond all even the barriers of language. They had become the new Eden, right? The new kingdom of God, but the empire of Babylon at the same time. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about that, and like humans I, were the new gods. Yeah. Yeah, I just think we like we. we in, in our techno in our technological advances, I just think we we believe we've progressed to the point where we can bring heaven to earth. We can bring right. the good life ourselves. Well, that's the promise of technology, right? And a strong leader. Yes. The more technologically advanced, the stronger our leader. Yep. We can transcend our limits. Right. If we had Apple and Steve Jobs infinitum, we right. could solve every problem. Yes. <laughs> right. And that's just like. That's the, the height hu- of Babylon. The height of Babylon is trusting in technology and political power. It's just interesting to think about the fruit of the tree mm-hmm. as an iPhone. <laughs> right. And also just like the unoriginality of this type of idolatry. Yeah. Like political power and technology talk to each other. Mm. And that's been, th- that's been the temptation since the Garden of Eden. You can know more. Right. Right, and isn't that the promise of technology? Right. No more? No more? Yeah. Have more power with less effort? Right. Everyone can bow at your feet because you know everything because you can just type it into Google real fast. It's just interesting to try to locate the new Nebuchadnezzar statue today. uh, Yeah. You know. I mean, one place to locate it is in all of us, but you're right. uh, Yes, totally. But in every nation. Yeah, but also like this this was a sociopolitical reality where you had the, the kingdom of the earth claiming dominion over everything it's like man that's like google like you know, right, like, right 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 i'm not trying to be like apocalyptic or anything here i'm just well, like well daniel's trying to I be know, apocalyptic. i know but you know what i mean <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, it's like anyway i think yeah. it's a good point and it puts it all on the line so like what's what who's the universal sovereign is it google is it nebuchadnezzar right is it steve jobs is yeah. it the illuminati is it <laughs> donald trump who is it is it is it putin who is in control right. of the world yeah that's what's on the line right so Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg. That's all. <laughs> so now let's all set up verse okay. eight. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, "O King, live forever! You and your king have made a decree that everyone should worship." Oh, we haven't even talked about this. What? He builds the statue. Why? Yeah. So that all people will bow down and worship him. Right. So we just glossed over that important. <laughs> like we talked about the statue and the kingdom oh, and what it yes. represents. It's like. And then he says, everyone must bow to him. The universal declaration of the so- sovereignty is that all nations, all people, all languages will bow to Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. That's, I mean, that's, that's actually a helpful thing to meditate on for me, probably as more of a modern person, where there's this direct link between sovereignty and rule mm-hmm. and worship. Like, we, you know, I just, I, I have a hard time connecting, and I don't know if this is going to out me as like a terrible Christian or something, but like, probably. I have a hard time <laughs> connecting with the phrase worthy like, when, when we're worshiping. You know, worthy, worthy, are you worthy, Lord. worthy. Yeah. And like, I've learned some things that help me understand that a little mm-hmm. bit better. Like, God, you're worthy of all worship. You're worthy yeah. for your name to go around the world. And I'm like, yeah, I don't disagree with that, obviously, right. but I have a hard time just understanding what it means in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this kind of helps, is it's like, you bow down to the person in charge. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're sovereign. He's proven he's sovereign. So you bow down. There's a link between sovereignty, dominion, and worship and homage. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, that's that's a helpful yes. way to get back into that culture for me a little yes. bit. Yes. Anyway. 
So because I don't bow today, you right? Know, you don't bow today don't unless, unless you bend your head down to look at your phone. <laughs> you know, about back to the, the kingdom of back to the kingdom. Yeah, I mean, like if you look up your phone pickups and just look this, just, I mean, just in the imaginative universe of yeah. bowing down your head to look at a screen, right? And whatever extent that's an actual moment of worship for you, your mm-hmm. phone pickups tell you how many times you bow down to Babylon. Yeah, in a day. Anyway, yeah, just a meditation on the theme. So. The universe. <laughs> Are you laughing? I am laughing. So I'm like, I'm gonna have to just put that one down before I run too far. <laughs> with it. So, everyone must bow down. Yes. But a group of politicians in Nebuchadnezzar's court realized the Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refuse to bow down, and they will not bow before the statue. So, a couple of interesting things here. One. Nebuchadnezzar is not the sovereign he thinks he is. Because not everyone's bowing. You have three people who refuse to bow. He's like, this is supposed to be the last word on who rules the world. And as soon as the decree is given, three people refuse to bow. And then on top of that, his officials, who are supposed to be united in this moment, are now using it as an opportunity to gain favor in his sight. He, the, There's division within his own ranks. Uh. And they're using this universal called to worship and submit to one ruler as an opportunity to jockey for position within his own kingdom to gain more power. It's like his kingdom, the thing that he wanted to to display his universal sovereignty is already cracking and showing he's not as powerful as he thinks he is, even among his most loyal yeah, the most those most loyal to him. That's interesting. So, do you? I'm, I was curious about this. In verse eight, yeah, it says that they came and mal- and maliciously accused the Jews. Certain Chaldeans came uh-huh. and maliciously maliciously accused the Jews, and then it's not until they're quoted that they say that it's certain Jews that you've appointed over your affairs, and mm-hmm. they name the three. Was it was there more widespread Jewish rebellion to this idea? And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are representative heads that are held mm. accountable? Perhaps. Okay. Uh, the Jews could just be a reference to the three Jews who are in high office yeah. and who actually have a position of authority, or it could be more representative. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know. Okay. I haven't, I haven't heard that. Okay. But um, regardless, when Nebuchadnezzar finds out that his universal sovereignty is being threatened, mm-hmm. verse 13... He goes into a furious rage. Right. Like fury, rage. And he commands that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought to him. And then he Which, asks them. Yeah, and oh, it's important to note, yeah. like in the Hebrew language and imagination, fury, rage, anger, wrath, these ideas are all tied to the met- like a language metaphor of heat. That's right. And so like angry just means hot, hot. nose. Yeah. yeah like hot. So you're getting hot. Yeah. And he's going to go throw them into a hot furnace. It's just, yeah. it's all, it's all combined. Connected. Yeah. And then Nebuchadnezzar asked him, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, pagpipe, and every kind of music, it's kind of almost funny. Like, yes. as you're reading this, there's so much repetition. It feels like burdened by the weight of Nebuchadnezzar's pomposity. Like, why bring up Nebuchadnezzar in this moment when you're furiously angry? You start listing every single type of musical instrument yeah. that you can think of. Why? It's funny. Yeah. Because he's such a pompous 
fool. Right, he's grabbing for anything. He's like, no, no, I am in charge. I've got pipes. I've got lyres. <laughs> I've got trigons. I've got harps. I've got bagpipes. Sounds like a bad like, <laughs> husband and wife argument. Yeah. Where like, but I did the dishes and the laundry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's just, anyway, it's like adding to this picture of very, Nebuchadnezzar. Very funny. So he says, hey, if you bow down, everything will be well and good. But if you do not worship, you'll be immediately cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hand? Right. And so there's something interesting happening happening here. Because I think we have to remember like the polytheistic nature of you know, Nebuchadnezzar's worldview. That there were gods. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when he bows down in chapter 2 to Daniel... He just names that his God must be the strongest God because he's yes. revealed the mysteries that right. the other gods couldn't. Yep. So he's not saying your God's the only God. He's saying your God is God above all gods. Yeah, he's a pluralist. Right. But then here, he seems to switch. He's like, I'm going to make myself the God of gods. Mm-hmm. And then yes. and I'm going to show you that even your God right. can't deliver me out of your hands. Well, I think the- it's important that we're... Yes. Because I think as Westerners, it's easier for us to be like, it's an either or. He's either the only God or Yahweh's the only God. No, Nebuchadnezzar knows he's fighting with Daniel's God when yes. he builds a statue. Right. He says, okay, I hear you making this claim about the universal sovereignty of this mountain that's coming to knock down the statue. I disagree. Yeah, I'll build a better one. I'll build a better one. And so he's like, who's the God that can rescue you from the man who gets the lyres and the mm-hmm. trigons and the harps and who can build the statue. No one can rescue you from me. Not to uh, my bagpipes. <laughs> uh, yes. And I think we should also flag something else mm. that's interesting here. The idea of throwing these faithful Jews into the furnace is like a symbol of Nebuchadnezzar's rage, his smallness, his pride, his vanity his anger, his ruthlessness, his brutality. But it's also a picture within the broader biblical story of exile itself. Oh, yeah. Didn't the prophets talk about exile as a furnace? So this is Ezekiel 22. Uh. And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, which is a (laughs) Daniel phrase. Daniel phrase from Daniel 7. It's very significant. Uh, it's going to be even in Daniel 4 or Daniel 3. It's going to be in this chapter. It's the son of a god. Oh, so okay. It's close, okay. Ah. but it's they're all connected imagery. Anyway, okay. the house of Israel has become dross to me. So that's the unfiltered part of metal, the impure parts of metal. Okay. All of them are bronze and tin and iron and lead in the furnace. So these mm. like weaker metals. They're the dross of silver. Therefore, thus says the Lord God. Because you have all become dross, therefore I will gather you into the middle of Jerusalem as one gathers silver and bronze and iron and lead into a furnace to blow the fire on it in order to melt it. So I will gather you in my anger and in my wrath and I will put you in and melt you. I will gather you and blow on you with the fire of my wrath and you shall be melted in the middle of it. Okay, so you have uh, a god mm-hmm. who is angry with wrath, and he gathers people and throws them in a furnace in Ezekiel here. Yes. And this is a picture of God and his wrath against Israel's sin, mm-hmm. gathering them up into Jerusalem. To be conquered by. To be conquered by Nebuchadnezzar. By Nebuchadnezzar, yes. And it's like, so literally, when Israel goes to Babylon, Babylon is the furnace, mm-hmm. and all of Israel is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right. <laughs> so that 
It's that's exactly the point. This is a so, physical picture. So when exiled Israel yeah. reads this story about three of them going into the furnace, mm. they're remembering when Nebuchadnezzar sacked Jerusalem and totally. burned the temple right. and melted it down. And and yep. what's interesting in Ezekiel twenty two, that's the end of the story. I will melt you. That's right. So when you get to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's if you're a Jew in exile reading this for the first time, you might be wondering, like, well, this is it. They're not going to rise. Jerusalem is in ruins. Right. We will be melted. Nebuchadnezzar is God. Right. Because he's he going will, to win the battle. He's going to melt us. So, mm. yeah. It, the wrinkle in the story, though, is but what happens when Israel is faithful in Babylon? Right. We're told and in the very the beginning of Daniel 1 that Israel goes into exile during the reign of Jehoiakim, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's because they're this bloody city. Yeah. They're built built the city in the blood of the innocent. That's how Ezekiel 22 starts. Yep. You bloody city. Right. So Israel's faithless. That's why there's just melting for them. They're violent, brutal men and women just like Nebuchadnezzar is. No mercy. Melting. Mm. But what if you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who have been faithful since the moment they got in Babylon? They will not bow to the god of money and gold or yeah. power or technology. brutality, technology. They won't bow to Babylon. They won't admit there is another sovereign between the, beside the sovereign god. What happens then? Mm. When, when they're thrown into the furnace of wrath. They act as leaders who are innocent of Israelites who would have also been innocent. There were right. innocent Israelites swept up in Babylon's slaughter. Right. Like Babylon's coming for the leaders of Israel and their right. corruption and what they've brought among a lot of the population. But there's always faithful a faithful few. And those faithful few have been sitting and wondering, is this the end? Am I, is my lot to be caught up in yeah. the wickedness of my leaders? Which could be an interesting reason to read the first mention of Jews as corporate Jews who were refusing uh-huh. to bow to Babylon. Yeah, that's and right. And then the representative... Uh, mm-hmm. what was, what's the that's word? The, the, the certain Jews. Certain Jews. Certain yeah. Jews. So yeah. anyway, that's... But totally. So yeah, it's like... It's crazy. So much is on the line in this So moment. the question then is... So there's a battle of gods. Yeah. Right? Nebuchadnezzar versus Yahweh. Yeah. And, there, and then there's this question that's happening of what happens when... We, we know what happens when you throw sinners into the furnace of wrath. They right. melt away like dross. They melt. But what happens when you throw faithful people mm-hmm. into the furnace of wrath yeah what it, happens yeah that's the question right that's the question okay that's the question and especially because nebuchadnezzar is the instrument of god too like he's the one who went to israel and melted israel in jerusalem right yeah and now he's here he is again he has the statue that covers the whole earth he is god in a sense yeah and his furnace must burn even hotter right it's like his is the furnace that burned up jerusalem how hot must his furnace burn Yes. Like, and he even, yes. he even does that work here. He yeah, turns yeah. the furnace up hotter to show that, like, oh, if you're reflecting on Ezekiel 22 and you thought Ezekiel 22's furnace was hot, I'm going to turn it up. Right. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't have reason. So this is Shadrach, Meshach, okay, and yeah. response. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Think about that. Mm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are mindful of the prophecies of Ezekiel. Definitely. Even though there's no hope in Ezekiel for coming out of the fire, Mm. the melting, they seem to have hope that in this fire, there might be 
Right. A resurrection. Well, I mean, they know the rest of Ezekiel. They know the That's Valley of Dry Bones. They know, right. you know, they know That's the rest right. of the story. That's right. And they're like, yeah, I knew there would be a furnace, but there will also be a resurrection. But if God does not save us, be it known, you, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar filled with fury again. And the expression on his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Which means, I wonder if, like, he was giving them the benefit of the doubt the first time. He was angry, right. but maybe these Chaldeans, they've been jealous from the beginning of the story. So maybe they're just sub- right. no good again. What were you guys again. thinking? Did you, not know, did you not know I had bagpipes? Right. Yeah. Like, oh, no, we knew, and we're not still not going to bow. Yeah. And then he got real mad. He heated the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Oh, wow. I mean, just talking about, like, the turning up of the furnace. like Yeah. Yeah, this this full and complete destruction is going right. to come upon you. Seven is a Hebrew symbol for yeah. completeness, fullness. Right. You can't get hotter than There's seven. There's no hotter furnace. <laughs> when on the little dials, you know, you this have dials. They, go, they don't. They didn't go up to ten in Israel. They went up to seven. Right. You know what I like? Yeah, I, you know, oh, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, but his goes to eleven. Some of the men who are supposed to throw them into the fire dies. They're stoking the fire. Yeah, that's crazy. crazy. This is crazy. Thing, I mean, that blows my mind. I have trouble with that. Cause Why? I'm, like, I, I'm just trying to, just from uh, a picture standpoint, I'm like, right. You're, I guess if they're stoking it, feeding the fire, mm-hmm. is that, is, are those the people who get? It says in verse 22, because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell oh. bound into the burning fiery furnace. Okay, so you have this overheating out of control furnace. Which is a picture of Nebuchadnezzar itself, a oh, picture of Babylon itself, right. like this yep. inflamed, furious, right. idolatrous, supremely angry yeah. being. And you have the people, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans or whomever, taking them up there, but it's so out of control, everyone gets burned. Everyone gets licked up by these flames, mm-hmm. and instead of being thrown into the fire, they fall in because everybody's falling in. Everybody right. goes into the fire. Mm. Everybody's you know consumed by it. Everyone's consumed by the pride of Babylon. Right, the pride of Babylon. even its own people. And then, you, but you have these three faithful men who fall in. Yeah, and what happens to them? We know what happens to the Babylonians when they get yeah eaten up by the fury. They just die. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, didn't we cast three men bound into the fire? And they said to the king, true, O king. And he said, but I see four men unbound, which is interesting. That our, is interesting. One of our other writers pointed out, this is the only thing that burned the fire was the bindings. The, the bindings, probably metal. Oh, you think? I mean, probably like chains. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, like. <gasps> which would then be interesting to the think dross. about the dross in Ezekiel yeah. 22. Like, ah. Anyway, so the only thing that. Only thing that melts in the fire is the babylonian instrument of captivity which is interesting um and they are not hurt and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods all right so this is the big moment oh we're here shadrach meshach and abednego are unsinged and a fourth man is walking yeah. in the flames talk to me about that just so we can talk about this person a son of man Son of one son, like a son of man. One of one like oh, a son of the gods. One like a son of the gods. One right. like a son of the gods. What what is like what's the thought here? What's the what's ba- what's Nebuchadnezzar trying to communicate in saying one like a son of the gods? Like who is like Who else can walk among the flames except a god? 
I think there's like that kind of like mm. basic polytheistic worldview. There are the gods of the flames right. and the storms. And I, so like, it's, a, it's an assumption. I knew I threw three humans in there. Right. There's a fourth person in there. He must be some godlike creature if he's going to walk around the fire. It could be that he was like looked different. Mm-hmm. It could have been that he was like illuminated. Like, right. like we, we don't know. He just, whenever Nebuchadnezzar sees him, we just know that he thinks he's like one of the sons of the gods. A de- mm. Like he thinks he sees a demigod in the fire. That's the only category he has okay. for what's happening inside. So who is this fourth person here well, in the fire? I think to answer that, you have to know what happens the rest of the story. Ooh, okay. Because, I mean, if they just walked around for a little while and then died, that, <laughs> might, just, that might change my opinion about who the, this one like the son of the gods is. It was Hades. <laughs> it was Hades. Um, oh, so Nebuchadnezzar comes near the door and he calls out to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the servants of the Most High God, which most, is interesting. Most High God. Most High God. Servants of the Most High God. That's it's a really common way for like God's anointed to be described throughout the biblical story. Oh, yes. Abraham and Moses are called servants of the Most High God. Anyway, they come out, come out of here, and they come out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors all gathered together. All the people that he wanted gathered for his celebration and the proof that he was the god of gods now has to hear on Nebuchadnezzar's lips that these servants of the most high god have beaten him at his own game. They saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these men. Mm. So think about what does the fire represent? The might of Babylon. Yeah. The burning sovereignty yeah that can consume anything at once yeah more than likely this was the furnace that built the statue this is where they smelted the gold to put on the statue right the center of babylonian power has no power over the bodies of shadrach meshach and abednego Hmm. why the son of man the son of the gods the only answer is one like the son of the gods has changed the power dynamic in babylon that's that's the answer I don't know how else to respond to that without just getting to Jesus. Right. It's just, I, I can't. And like, I want to, because I want to embody the Hebrew imagination. Yeah. Where it's like, what would a he, what would a, well, what would a Hebrew in exile be thinking well, about? Maybe this? the next verse helps us a little okay. bit. The next verse says that the hair on their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed and no smell of fire came upon them. We do have one other time in scripture where a fire was burning and something like the voice of God, the, so, uh, uh, it, yeah. it, like something of God was being communicated and the thing did not burn up. And that was the burning bush. Right. The voice of God, not, not, a, not a figure of a person, but the voice of God came out of a bush on fire and the bush did not burn up. The leaves mm. did not burn up. It was not even singed. It didn't even yeah. smell like smoke. Right. So there, there is a potential a Hebrew imagination. What else? Burned but didn't burn. What was it else was on fire but didn't burn? Yeah. The presence of God. The presence of God. Yeah. The presence of God is like a fire that can burn without burning. Right. And in this passage, it's described as a son of a God. A yeah. son of God. Not a voice of God, but a son of God. Right. I mean, you should get to Jesus. As Christians, we read this. We're we like, ha- I mean, that's why I'm like, I just have to. You have to. So like what I'm just, like the first thing that's coming to my head, we're, we're talking about the center of Babylonian power, Right. And the only thing that changes the outcome of what's, what happens when you're thrown into the center of Babylonian 
power and the heat and its consuming furnace is the presence of the son of man, the son of the gods in there with it, with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, you just talk about what's the center of, you know, call it, I don't know if you could say capital B Babylon, talking about yeah. the e- almost eternal Babylon that's Satan's kingdom. Yeah. Right. Uh, what's the center of his technological power? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the grave. Right. Like it always has been the grave. It is his single strongest weapon. Yeah. Um, because it takes everybody. You yeah. Know? It's the curse. I haven't thought about death as a technology before. I mean, but it's like, a, yeah, it's an invention. Like you had yeah. humans living with the tree of life and a technology is in, in a sense invented to well it was the search for new knowledge the search for right. a technology right. that brings about death that's right and that those the technology and death are like yes. synonymous ideas quest for quest for sufficiency apart from god yeah you know which in a sense mm. could be a quest for interesting you know unsanctioned technology anyway uh, and i'm just like man when but when jesus the son of god Right, joins us in the furnace of the grave, Satan's ultimate weapon, the center of his power. We escape without the smell of death on us. I just like, I mean, that's just a beautiful picture right. of resurrection. It's a beautiful picture of resurrection. Jesus, I think we said this earlier today, like Jesus d- doesn't come and put water on the furnace. Right, yeah, 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 you could, you could expect that Okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the furnace. And if God was going to intervene, how would he do it? Right. He comes and drops kick Nebuchadnezzar yeah. and yeah. you know no, and, and douses the furnace with rains from heaven. A new flood comes and covers the, the fire and quenches it. And he gives he gives all three of them Samson like strength and they kill yeah. everybody with donkey jawbones. Like yeah, you know, yeah. like that's how God would show up, right? It's like, no, what does God do? He joins them in the furnace he joins them in exile yeah he joins them in wrath yeah he goes and bears the wrath with them yeah like bears their punishment with them Mm -hmm. it's just so interesting he goes and suffers with his servants Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like we're just saying the same thing right but it's like you do have in jesus you have this picture of the one who bears punishment yeah the one who enters the fire the fury the hot anger of, of the nations of the of the nations uh, yeah, that toil in vain against him from psalm 2 yeah and from from, from god himself the true most high god against our sin because we are in a sense ezekiel 22 mm-hmm. we are israel deserving of final exile we in our sin because mm-hmm. like the sins that ezekiel is talking about is like injustice and defrauding people the and city of blood the city what, of blood it's yeah. just like that's us and we deserve to be melted down in the furnace and it Jesus joins us in that furnace. It is interesting how the wrath of God and the wrath of the nations, kind of like two separate ideas, right. are joined together in Ezekiel 22. The wrath of God against bloodthirsty Israel, yes. but the wrath and brutality of Babylon against also innocent Israel. Like the innocent Israel who weren't committing the atrocities right. that their leaders were. And here again in... Daniel 3, God has given Babylon power, right? Mm-hmm. Like he yes. is the instrument by which Israel has been judged. Yep. But it's also the wrath of the nations against the innocent mm-hmm. is also wrong. So that moment when Jesus comes to bear the wrath, mm. he does it in two ways. Yes. He bears the wrath 
of the guilty, of the guilty leaders of Israel Mm -hmm. who were built cities of blood and who deserve to be melted in the fire. But he also bears the unjust wrath of the nations. Rome and the Pharisees unjustly killed Jesus. And he absorbs the unjust wrath of the nations in that same moment on the cross. That's right. I'm I'm just, I haven't like done that kind of synthetic work of like those the, the wrath of the nations and the wrath of God laying on top of one another like that. Yeah. And what happens? Regardless, what happens? They walk out. Right. The exiles walk out vindicated. Yeah. Unbound. Unbound. Unstained. Free. Yeah. So like lots of things I'm thinking about there is like you've got in the fire, like <laughs> like when when Jesus steps into the fire, for us when jesus goes to the cross for us he breaks off our chains Mm -hmm. like we're no longer enslaved to sin to the to the king of this world right ruler of this world the ruler of this world we're no longer enslaved to it he breaks that off uh and then we step out into new life now now ruling with him servants of the most high god what a what a Mm -hmm. high title yeah and then we don't even stink of the flames right like yeah it, I, I think like the language from Ephesians and even Revelation is so beautiful when it talks about the bride of Christ because it talks about us being unstained and pure. It's just, I think it's so easy for me to see myself as like having escaped the furnace, but like I still smell like sin. Right. You know, it's like, man, I got, I got out of there by the skin of my teeth. It's like, no, like we walk out of the furnace of our sin and like because of Jesus, we're completely unstained and that's and ultimately that the biblical authors in the new testament pick up on that idea because they talk about faith yeah being like a furnace mm-hmm. what does it do it refines you yeah. so you come out like gold that's what that's how peter talks about yeah. it first second peter it's like the wrath of the nations of, yeah. of rome purifies the people of god right and what happens you come out like gold mm-hmm. you come out looking like what Nebuchadnezzar tried to look like without the furnace. Mm. You are made into what? The image of God. Yeah. Jesus comes and forms himself into you like a golden statue of himself. Yeah. And you actually get the blessing yeah. that, Bab- that that Babylon was trying to make a curse. Yeah. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Yes. One of the promises <laughs> of being saved by Jesus is that we were made into new creations new images Mm -hmm. like we were meant to be in the garden of Eden In the garden of Eden, we were meant to be with God and expand his kingdom, giving honor to him and pushing out the boundaries of Eden. We have become an anti Eden trapped in an anti Eden because the snakes lie was you could be like God. And Eve's answer should have been, I already am. I already, yes. (laughs) The, the wrath of the nations when the wrath of that dross of God's anger against the dross that's in us, mm-hmm. the Babylonian dross that's in us is burned out. Yep. We become new images. We yes. no longer worship the image of Nebuchadnezzar, the image of technology, mm-hmm. the golden image of ourselves. We become new images, yeah. golden images ourselves of the true God and the ultimate sovereign of the universe. Yes. Expanding the boundaries of his kingdom, not our own. Yeah, that's so cool. And Babel's broken that way, right? Yeah, I That's, mean the that kingdom is, of Babylon's yeah, broken. That is how yeah, that is how Babylon is broken is by these little flame refined golden statues going to every tribe, nation and language. That's what happens in Acts 1 and 2. 
Yeah. Acts one starts off with like its own table of contents, and it's Jesus talking to his disciples about their their mission to the nations. He's like, "All right, you're going to start here in Jerusalem, in Judea, and then you're going to go to Samaria and the ends of the earth." Yeah. And he's saying like, "We're going to start here in a new Eden, and we're going to push the boundaries of Eden out." Mm-hmm. How? Acts two, right. fire comes, <laughs> right, right, and refines their speech and, and empowers them with the power of the Holy Spirit to go to the nations and turn back the power of Babel the right way. Right, yeah. And set up little little statues of God in right. Ethiopia and the, in Galatia and Pamphylia. The, you know. the curse of Babel was to spread everybody around the world speaking in other languages. Right. The promise of anti-Eden, mm-hmm. the promise of Babylon, was to gather all the nations back together and worship the false god. Yes. But the reverse of that, the promise of Pentecost, mm-hmm. is that all those nations can go out into all the world, spreading the gospel of the kingdom and God's universal sovereignty over all things. Yeah. The image of God going out into all the world instead of the image of man, instead of the world yeah. coming around the image of man. Yeah. And I think that also makes sense. Like, who is the son of one, one like the son of the gods? It's called an image of the son of the gods. That yeah. phrase image is used 10 times in 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 this chapter wow so it's 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 an important word why because the image represents universal sovereignty Mm. the universal sovereign yeah was nebuchadnezzar thought he was the universal sovereign when he built the golden statue but there's a new image a new universal sovereign Mm. in the flames with his people i see right that's helpful to think about like that was the the furnace was the thing that helped refine the gold that made the statue Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. but in the furnace, when Jesus, you know, the Son of God, is in there, He's able to stand in the flames without melting down, without going. He's able to be an image, right? The, a statue inside the furnace is There's like no dross in him, no dross in him at all. Yeah, He conquers. Yeah, man, He uses the thing that Nebuchadnezzar, like the technology Nebuchadnezzar used to build his own statue. He conquers just by being in it. Yeah, there's he, a lot of irony there that I so can't much quite irony. articulate well. But that's what's on the line in wow. Daniel three. That's really good news. I'm just like I can't. I th- okay. Here's rubber meets the road moment for me. Is like it's when I read this text, and I don't think this is wrong at all. Yeah. But the first like challenge that comes to me is like, man, I want to have the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, mm-hmm. and I've heard that sermon, and I don't right. think it's a bad sermon. No. I don't think that's a wrong thing to take away from this. You should be able to stand up to Babylon and say, I would rather die. Right. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would say that Jesus says similar things to his apostles. Like when you go before rulers and everything and don't worry about what you'll say, it'll be given to you. And they say, hey, you know, we can't serve you. We can only serve God. Very similar stuff on the line here. So like, I don't think that's a wrong conclusion to make. Um, But what else is on the line here in the, in like the New Testament imagination of this passage seems to be like you are being refined inside ba- you are in the furnace of babylon right now wherever you are in any, any kingdom any empire you are in the furnace of babylon like that doesn't have to be before a hangman's noose or before a prison cell or whatever you are in the furnace right now in the creative imagination of the bible because you are not in the final full kingdom of god yeah. you live in america or mexico or australia they're all babylon right they're all ruled by sinful leaders and have their own problems. Yeah. 
And so what's amazing is the promise of this story is it holds out that inside the flames of Babylon, wherever you are right now, you are being refined into the gold image of Jesus right beside you. And, and the universal sovereign is in the flames with you right now. And you're being made into his image so that you can step out of the fire, you know, like be in Babylon as his image, as his bearer. Like, so people can look to you and see that the kingdom of God actually has claim over this territory and not whatever principality, na- yeah. you know, nationality lays claim to the land. Yeah. The hope is that, yeah, the hope is that God is with you in the flames. Yeah. God will resurrect you from them one day. Mm-hmm. And then even in Babylon, what happens at the very end of the story? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are promoted. Right. They're promoted to greater position of power in Babylon to do more good for God's people. Right. Like, and in the midst of all that, God will also give you opportunities to spread his kingdom among the people of God within churches, within your small groups, within those, within your families. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm just like, uh, let's finish the story too, because you know, if the grave is the furnace also, and Jesus joins us in the grave mm-hmm. to bring us, and he was resurrected out of the mm-hmm. flames just so we could be resurrected out of the grave one day. Like, we, we talked about how there was this time prophesied in the Bible where all nations and languages would gather together uh, to God, mm-hmm. and they would be with him and worship him forever. And Nebuchadnezzar was trying to, like, create a facsimile of that in a counter-Eden in Babylon. Um, but for us, we, we will pass through the flames of death, we will be resurrected. We will walk out transformed without the, the stench of death on us and all nations, all languages, all tribes, all people who have put their trust in the same God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. We will all gather around the mountain of God and we will worship him alone forever. Like that's the end of the story. And what's amazing is Revelation does this work for us in Revelation 5. It literally quotes all of this language and it, it talks about how all nations, languages, uh, will will come around and worship the Lamb on the throne, and they and all the elders even bring musical instruments like harps to the party, and this is literally the end of the Bible, is Nebuchadnezzar's false kingdom made a reality, like his curse yeah. made a blessing. Yeah, the Empire of Babylon become the the anti Eden comes true. Eden finally comes in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, man, it's just such good news. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, that's uh, that's Daniel, Daniel. That's Daniel three. Three. Next week will be in Jan- Daniel chapter four. That's right. With the humiliation of King Nebuchadnezzar, he turns into a beast and eats grass. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and a giant tree that gets chopped down, and another vision. Lots of cool stuff there, and also like the end of Nebuchadnezzar's story arc. That's right. And surprisingly, this vengeful, raging, brutal center of pride becomes humbled yeah celebrates the god of heaven yeah come back for this i have some really i'm just like i think it's a scandalous story of grace and i cannot wait to talk about it so we'll see you guys next week in daniel 4 thank you for joining us and we'll see you then thank you for listening to the spoken gospel podcast spoken gospel creates short films devotionals and podcasts like this one Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.